Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we are talking about Minute 41, which begins with Goose applauding the cabaret singer and it ends with Goose starting up his motorcycle the next morning. Yes. So we start out with her big finish. Yep. And I realized that we didn't talk about the song at all yesterday on Friday. And to think, after all of this effort she's putting into it, holding out that last note for us to go away for the weekend and come back, and then she wraps it up for us. Yes. So, we don't get too many lyrics when we first hear her on Minute 39. She just says, on the licorice ride. And then when we came back on Friday, that's when we really heard more of the song. Yes. So Um, why don't you read through the lyrics of the song for us Real quick, just yep. to remind us of what it is. Well, let's go over stanza by stanza. We'll really okay. break it down. Okay. So the first stanza is, Looking for some juice out this side of town. Mister, won't you show the way, trying to get around. Okay. I think that's pretty clear. She's looking for gas. Yeah. Which tells me she has her own bike. Mm-hmm. Her own vehicle. I guess it doesn't have to be a bike. But yeah. since she mentions bikes later on, I assume that it's a bike she's riding. Or maybe, actually, I'll bet it's a car. Yeah. Like yeah. she's driving a driving a car around. And then in the second verse, she hops on his bike. Yeah. So in the second stanza, we go to only one thought left that makes me come alive. And that is you and me side by side on the licorice ride. So, yeah, it kind of sounds like she starts off as her own person just looking for some gas um just loving the road loving the open road loving the idea of the car the road but then she meets this mister mm-hmm. looking for directions pretty much because she's just trying to get around but then her thought changes to the idea of maybe going out on the road with this guy um you know and it's and it's getting her excited it's making her come alive so to speak and so that leads us into the last stanza where she says, motorbikes and leather men, take me to the edge of the dream, hold on tight, know it sure feels right, stick to you like a tire on the licorice road. So it's very obvious that the idea of the licorice road and the licorice ride are all about you are driving on black pigment, on a road or a highway, just a dark colored stretch. Well, actually, I think it, I think it, it ends up having the same meaning, but I did find out that road licorice is... Let me find it in my notes from Friday. Road licorice is the debris on the road from the tractor trailer tires that fall apart. I didn't know that that had a name, but you know, you see it on the highways. You don't see it on like local secondary roads. Yeah. You see it on the highways, the roads that that you get to drive away from civilization. You get to drive fast. Mm -hmm. Those are the roads that you see road licorice on. Okay. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely a highway that she's talking about, but she's so excited about the idea of running away with this unnamed man in the in the song that she kind of upgrades from just looking to some gas to maybe skipping out of her mode of transportation and getting on his mode of transportation his mode of transportation yes specifically being a motorcycle because motorcycles get her excited yes Uh, and there's i mean all sorts of innuendo in there all sorts of innuendo yeah the whole idea of coming alive, the thought of riding, and 
getting to the edge of the dream, Mm -hmm. as it were, um, holding on tight, feeling right. And she definitely is the kind of rider that is like going to hold on to the person who's actually steering the motorcycle. Like she wants to make a connection there. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a, it's a very sensual song Uh as, 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 as fun as it is, it also is, you know, it's upbeat and it's fun, but it's also got that double meaning, double meaning there. That yes. makes it especially fun, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when she's done with the song, she licks her upper lip. Okay, so yeah, as soon as she cuts off the note, she doesn't so much lick her lip, she licks her teeth. Yeah, it's weird. And it's weird because you would expect her to lick her lips. Can we watch it again? Because I really think she licked her lip. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to bring it up here and I'm going to hit play. She sings the note and then... Nope, it's lip. Is it lip? It's lip. It looks like teeth. I mean, I know it looks like teeth because Is I don't it just like the critiquing angle? other people's looks, but she's got a lot of teeth. Yeah, she's... That top row is very thick. Okay, so I'm going to try and like click through this... Okay, yeah, okay. Yep. So at pretty much, there, I don't get too much more exact on the player that I'm using, but pretty much at the one second mark, her tongue is right in the middle of her face, and she's definitely making contact <laughs> with, with lip there. Lip. Okay, I, so... Okay, I swear, as many times as I've watched this minute, I could have sworn that she was only licking her teeth, and I was like, uh, what? Like, licking I don't know. teeth just put, in, it put me on edge. In this moment... Licking her lip versus licking her teeth doesn't make it any different for me. It just doesn't work for me. Like, this is very clearly her looking straight at Goose and being like, ah? Yeah. Ah? You know? Yes. And that's very obvious. And I I like that she made some sort of signal, some sort of non-verbal sexual advance. Yeah. Cool with that. This particular one just didn't work for me. She's trying to be sexy. I don't think she pulled it off in this moment. Yeah, it probably doesn't help that as we are looking at the screen, it's just a still shot of her with her tongue sticking out of her mouth. It's right. Kind of a funny lip, looking. A lip, lick, a lip licking gesture is definitely one that's about the movement. Yeah. <laughs> really and, should not look at it in a still picture. Yeah. But immediately after she licks her lips, and I'm so glad that we went back and watched that because it makes the whole thing a lot less weird. But in the very next shot, Goose is immediately He's responding. He's on his feet. Oh, yeah. No one clapping else. Clapping way more than everybody else. Everybody else is like polite applause. Yeah. Like there's a couple people clapping. There's one girl who's like whistling. The couple in the background that we're making out have like stopped. Oh, yeah. You can actually see both of their faces. Yeah. Um, but he gets up and he's clapping and he just shouts, yeah, baby. And just, I bumped up against a little bit. Yeah. Because when he says, Hey baby, yeah, yeah, baby makes it sound like he already knew her and that they already had a relationship and that he was there to see her sing. Mm -hmm. But everything else about how they've interacted so far and how they interact for the rest of the minute tells us the opposite. Yeah. So I don't know what to do with that. I think it's just... It's different. You know, you don't you don't find yourself in a day-to-day situation where people call are calling you baby out of the blue. <laughs> Not most of the time. No. So, this is something that's probably a bit more common in his world where he he calls women that he is interested in baby as some sort of way to be charming, I yeah, guess. Yeah. 
I guess so. You know, was it last episode? Was it Friday that you asked me if I if I can see the charm in Goose? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Was that was that on Friday? <laughs> you know, we're pro- that's that's you know. Yeah, in this moment, no, I can't really see the charm in Goose. Uh, meanwhile, there's probably a whole score of women that the very thought <laughs> of Steve Bisley just yeah. gives them the vipers. <laughs> But yeah, he's he is very excited to have heard that show. And then as he's he's clapping, we cut back to her and she does this like little face scrunch thing. It's it's really cute. Yeah. I really like how she does that. Like he he shows his appreciation for the performance and she reciprocates. So it's almost like by just like this little facial expression. She licks her lips at him. He stands up and applauds and kind of steps closer to the stage. And then like her response is just to, like scrunch her face up at him, yeah, and, like a little smile. So it's, it's like there's a there's a a bit of a social contract being drafted here. Yes, I was gonna say that. Like it's it's nonverbal consent. Mm-hmm. It's that they 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 are saying to each other. We know where this is going, and we are both adults, and we are both okay with it, and let's proceed. There's no need to be coy about it. It's very obvious what is about to happen. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know, he is going to verb the adjective noun, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. And they are just going to go be all about that. Yep. And that is absolutely fine, because these are two consenting adults, and, you know, not one non-consenting adult and eight other aggressors, you know. This right. is this is okay. Right. What is happening here for now? I do appreciate that we have seen so far. We have seen the not okay side of sex. Mm-hmm. Well, now we are seeing a very okay side of sex. Like this is how it should be done. Two yeah. consenting adults, even if so. This is kind of a one night stand situation, but it's a one night stand done correctly. Yeah, I mean, we do have we do have slight gripes about it. As we get to the latter half of this minute, there oh, yeah. are little the morning, details that the morning after is, is another matter. <laughs> but one thing I like about this is that we're able to see healthy, um, healthy romantic situations. We see uh, Max and Jesse yes. at home, and being we, see, we get a couple. to see their loving relationship. We and see committed, yeah, and then we see Goose and the the cabaret singer, and they have you know a fling, yep, a one night stand. And their consent is made very, very clear to us. Yeah. They are each interested in one right. another. It is a, it's a romance that took place over 30 seconds, but we saw it all. Yeah. So after the singer does her little face scrunch at him, we cut back outside and whatever stage fog or smoke or whatever you want to call it was in the parking lot before they've just either let the machine keep running or, or turned it up to 11. Yes, yeah, to to make another reference to Spinal Tap Minute. Yeah. Um, but there is just so much more smoke and fog now than there was on Friday when we were first talking about this scene. And the whole idea of Goose's motorcycle being sabotaged is ominous enough without having all of this, you know, Dracula's castle atmosphere pumped into the situation. Like, we can't even see... No, the motorcycle before, anymore. before we saw a, a shot from this exact same position mm-hmm. and there's a car sitting right here to the right and you could see it had like the painted flames on it. Yeah. You can't see that car anymore at all, let yeah. alone the bike that's kind of behind it. Yeah. You can kind of see the you outline see... of the bike, but that's only because there's a random spotlight behind it. Yeah. There's some lights on. Yeah. Yeah. But from this ominous shot, then we fade to black. And as we come and in the next morning, it's morning. It's morning. Now... 
Before we start talking about morning, I should note that in the parking lot, as it's fading to black, we can hear dispatch still calling over the radio, and they're saying all units again progress, all units again progress. So they're still trying to get more information about the call, the triple three that they've been dealing with, but that's all completely ignored as we show up the next morning. And we find ourselves in the bedroom of the lounge singer, and specifically we are focused on Goose, and he's putting on his equipment. Yes, and... Two things kind of happening simultaneously is the dogs barking outside. Oh, yeah. There's like two or three dogs outside that window that are just... What is going on? Constantly barking. And I swear, we're only at second 15. And there is 45 seconds in this minute left to go. And the dogs are barking for every Mm -hmm. single second of that. And it is incredibly annoying. It is. I'm really curious about that sound choice. And what the intention was, was were they trying to communicate that maybe she doesn't live in the best neighborhood? Like there are a lot of wild dogs that, running yeah, around. Yeah, wild dogs. Dingoes taking babies. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I also noticed the the room itself. Mm-hmm. It feels very British with like the wrought iron bed and the... The very fancy light the, covering. Yeah, the very fancy lamp. It feels it feels British. Yeah, she's got like these Which dark is, burgundy curtains. Which is, I mean, you know, curtains. Australia was is a British colony. Yeah, it started or, off as a British colony. Right. Now it's like a constitutional well, monarchy. It's whatever Canada is. I yeah, think. it's the same thing as Canada. And that is that is another fact that we will get corrected on. Something we should have looked up by our Australian listeners because yes, they are. Please, please, Australian listeners. You guys are the best when it comes to correcting us. I would not encourage you to stop. Yeah. <laughs> And it actually reminds me, funny enough, okay, funny enough, it reminds me of the aesthetic in a movie that I've mentioned once before, A Town Like Alice, which is directed by George Miller, has Steve Bisley in it. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of that same aesthetic, which is across, like, you spend some time in England and some time in Australia. So it very much reminds me of that. Yeah. So this whole time that we're in the bedroom, Goose is gearing up. You know, he put his (laughs) pads on. And then he stands up and walks over to the bed to get his jacket. But what and... really stands out to me is the sound effect, the foley work that they've got going. Because it's every so time he moves, we hear the leather you know, squeaking or creaking or making noise in some way. And it sounds like just someone farting into a microphone. Just making fart noises. Burp, 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 burp. You know. Do you remember the SNL sketch? The Leatherman SNL sketch? Yeah. Where they go, like, go into the store? Jimmy Fallon and Horatio Sands. Yes. And they was... did it when uh, Britney Spears hosted once. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did the sketch with them. Yeah. And it was just it's the so... same type of thing. So bad. And it, and it boggles my mind between the dogs barking and his loud outfit. Because, I mean, he picks up that jacket and he throws it around his shoulder and he puts his arms in the holes. And it's just making all of this just awful noise the entire time. And also, I don't think the sound effects line up. Like, I don't think the squeaks happen when they might happen. Yeah. Well, I mean... I think they just happen randomly, and it's... Even if they don't, they don't need to line up because he's got the leather pants, the leather jacket. I like guess you can so. have squeaks so coming sources from anywhere. Of where it could be squeaking. Yeah. But after he's all, you know, geared up, he's got his helmet, he walks out of the room and there is a little like emblem on the footboard or yep, something that perfectly covers up the no no zone. Yes. When it comes to, you know, movie ratings. Now, 
They probably could have shown a bit more with an R rating, but I mean, it's not important that they do. Right. But she is still asleep. And he's uh, up and I, I, uh, I, I disagree. Do you think she's faking it? I think she's faking it because my biggest, my, my biggest piece of evidence that she's faking it is her feet. Mm-hmm. They are pointed. Okay. Now, do you see what I see? Like her, both of them. Yeah. Like she, her foot is reaching for the post mm-hmm. on the footboard, and then the other one too is also very pointed. That's not how you lay when you're, like, relaxed. Do you think that might be, like, a result because she wears heels all the time? No. No? No. Because, I mean, I play video games all the time, and I find that when my hands are at rest, they kind of... They're at they rest curl in a video game position. They curl up as if I was holding a controller. Like, my hands, when they're relaxed, they don't lie flat. Well, neither do mine. Yeah. I don't play video games. I don't know. It might just be a thing. But, yeah, I mean, you look at her feet and the way they're kind of stretched out they're and not... pointed... Yeah, they they are not Barbie feet. They are not permanently molded to okay. high heels. She's I, faking it. I, I don't know anything about she high is, heels. So. <laughs> she is purposefully laying sexy. Yeah. And she knows that she is being seen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it's probably that they got together and they had the night together and maybe there was... Maybe, he, maybe she doesn't want to see him off. Yeah. Because I actually have a note about how he leaves, never wakes her up never says goodbye and that is not cool even for a one night stand yeah at least say goodbye it's not like he needs to wake her up and take her to breakfast or anything like that but right. you know at least you I, know just, i don't know i don't think it's cool that he leaves without waking her up yep left without so much as a good day <laughs> that was pretty good i think <laughs> <laughs> so he he leaves the room he walks out of okay so he leaves the room he reaches back and he closes the door. And we get the baby. Yep, there is a baby, little plastic baby, hanging on the <sighs> door to her room. I don't get it. No? I think, and this is my hypothesis, that there's a baby hanging on that door because that's where the babies get made. <laughs> okay, I have to think about the the physical action of putting the baby on the door. So, did they, did they nail, did they hammer a nail through the okay. baby? To the door, or did they hammer a nail onto the door, poke a hole in the baby, and hang it? Like, okay, so neither of them is good. <laughs> now, where we've paused here, let me see if I can get it so that Steve Bisley is not standing directly in front of this plastic baby. It does not appear that there is a hole in the front of the plastic baby, so it's probably the second option. Where they poked a hole in the back of the baby's head, so that they and hung hang it. it from a nail. Yeah, that's. I mean, no matter what, it's disturbing. Yeah, it's I can't just, imagine a way that this is not disturbing. It's the weirdest it's little so decoration. And, and I, it, it doesn't match with her aesthetic. We just saw her bedroom, her yeah. like personal space. And it's very traditional. Yes, yeah, the weirdest little thing. Yeah, and it is eclectic. Nothing like Max and Jesse's house, mm-hmm. as far as eclectic goes. Yeah. There's is bizarre. Yeah, if this was Max and Jesse's house, they would have plants everywhere. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then the baby on the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you appreciate the fact that he closes the door behind him. Actually, not so much. Really? Because you are always getting after me about leaving the bedroom door open. Yes, because, exactly, I don't like to be laying in bed and having the bedroom door open. It's weird. I feel exposed, especially since my part of the bed is, like, right in front of the door. Yeah. So, I okay, I do appreciate that he closes the door. 
But why was it open? It's like they slept with the door open. It was already open. When we join the scene, the door is already open. Okay. It, he didn't open it to leave. It might have been, you know, maybe he like went to the bath. One of them went to the bathroom or he went to the bathroom he as probably, he was getting dressed. He probably did go to the bathroom because he was getting dressed. Then he didn't close the door after. Well, he probably knew he came back from the bathroom, was getting dressed, and knew that he was just going to go right back out again. No. I don't know. Nope. It's not cool. <laughs> the door should never be open, especially because she's naked. Naked. I don't know. It's just not... No. Yeah. And of course, the, the, the whole baby on the door thing. Yep. I get getting caught door. up on that. Yep. But from the baby on the door, we fade into the exterior of him walking down this alleyway. Now, interestingly enough, this alleyway that he's parked in is 14 Claremont Street in South Yara. So the club in this shot of him walking down is off to his left. And I'm assuming that the singer probably lives in one of the buildings that surrounds this area. Mm-hmm. Which... That would make sense. I had to say, that's terribly convenient if you can find a place really close to where you work, especially oh, yeah. if you li- work odd hours. Uh-huh. Because that way, as soon as your shift is ho- over, you don't have to, like, take a bus. You can just walk home. Yeah, especially convenient when you pick up a guy. Yeah. So he's walking through this alleyway, and he kind of flicks the antenna of this blue car. Because he is so pleased with himself. Yep. <laughs> he's so pleased with himself, but she didn't wake up to say goodbye to him. She pretended she was asleep, so that might say a little I... something about himself. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm not so sure she was quite pleased. Yeah. But interestingly enough, as little information as we could get about the cars in the parking lot yesterday, Mad Max Movies, their vehicle page, pointed out that the blue car is a 1969 Pontiac GTO. All right. Yeah. Which is interesting. Do you think it's her car? Um, it might be. I mean, we have no evidence. Yeah. It could be. Really the color ones, but... seems... I mean, it's it's kind of a feminine shade of blue. It does seem like it would... Like, if you had to ascribe this car to anybody in the movie that we had seen... I would give it to her. Absolutely. And so Goose flicking the antenna. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him to just flick any random antenna. Sorry, I'm <laughs> caught up in the antenna. Are, are we still talking about <laughs> antennas here? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Um... So I think I think him flicking the antenna and it's her car. I think that's exactly what it's telling us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think you're I think you're right. Yeah. So as he's walking down this alleyway and flicking the antenna, we can start to hear the dispatch again. Yes. The radio once again left on okay. all night. It was on all night, and there's a lot of other people that live around here. Yep. So not only were the dogs barking, but this dang radio's going all night. Like yeah. living in the city. Maybe that's why the bo- the dogs awful. were barking, because they were annoyed by the radio. Probably. Probably. Oh, it's his own fault. As we get closer, we start to realize what they're saying. Uh, so dispatch talks about how some some up units to three-day angel patrol. And then she says, nice to have you back, Big Bopper 2. Now we know from the Night Rider chase that Big Bopper is Charlie and Roop. Yes. So it sounds like Charlie is back out on the road. He- yeah, I'm interested that he is designated as Big Bopper 2 because we learned back way back in the beginning that he was a designated driver. For that day. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking they switch off. Okay. Because okay. I, I see Roop- that. Roop was never out of the game. Right. He was always in circulation. So it sounds like Charlie has healed to the point where he can go back out and not do pure office work. Yeah. So that's a nice little side detail. It is. Um, and then 
dispatch calls over for Sun City Sector 3. There's a Code 4 trauma in progress. Sun City Sector 9, Code 4 tra- in progress. So there's like Code 4s it's, popping up all over the Sun City sector. Yeah, so it's a busy morning. Yeah. Um, and Goose goes for a ride. Interestingly enough, when dispatch calls a Sun City Sector 9, Code 4 in progress, that is the last bit of spoken dialogue we get until Thursday. Yes. So these next couple of days, just no words. There are no words. <laughs> no words. So he rounds the Pontiac. We're listening to dispatch and he pretty much mounts up on the motorcycle and we get a lot of really close shots of him flipping switches and kicking levers and starting up the motorcycle. Yeah, they really want us to be anticipating something going wrong. Right. And they're very particular about where they're showing us. Like, they're showing us the left side of the bike, particularly where Johnny was mucking things around. And so Goose starts up the bike and a bunch of smoke billows out the pipes. And it's like... And everything's fine. The whole time we're watching this... And nothing's going wrong. It's like they're expecting us... Yeah, they're... To want something to happen. Right. They're building the tension, but I think they're being heavy-handed about it. Yeah. I don't think they did a very good job of building the tension. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad that nothing happened right here, but the payoff is too far away. Yeah, it is really far away for them to be teasing us here. Because I figure, okay, so they tease us here when he starts up. And then we kind of, at the end of this minute, start to see him pull away. But the minute cuts off. We won't actually see him starting to drive away until tomorrow. Yeah. But there's that first little instance where something could go wrong. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to build tension here, but then it dissipates. Yes. Because nothing happened. It's interesting that nothing went wrong because it is it is a trope that you start the car and it blows up. Yeah. And so we've been led to believe that he's going to start his bike and something is going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen. So it's the anti-trope. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an upset of expectations mm-hmm. for viewers. And Which isn't that like part of the definition of comedy? I guess. Is I, upsetting I so. expectations? Like the whole idea of a, a humorous on, joke is something that, yeah, plays with people's expectations. Right. So it, I think maybe that's why we didn't feel it. So it's like a knock-knock joke. Right. You know, knock-knock, who's there? Exploding motorcycle, exploding motorcycle here. Or who, exploding motorcycle, doesn't happen in this scene. Yeah. Like it's sort of a sort of an anti-joke. Right. Is it? No. Not an anti-joke. I don't know. I don't know. We're sitting here expecting something to happen and nothing happens. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably the reason that the the lounge singer was pretending to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) An unsuccessful knock-knock joke. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one way to put it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to talk down about the goose. I mean, there's there's an awesome line that comes up. I want to say... I want to say it's going to be on Thursday, but you know, you don't write off the goose. That's the, that's the mantra. Yeah, but at the same time, this, if I'm not mistaken, this was his last night with a woman, right? Yeah, you could say that. This was his second to last ride because his absolute last ride is what we're going to see over the next two days. Yeah. So we are going to do our best to make uh, goose riding down the highway as interesting as we can. Yeah. I think we'll get creative. So. So stick with us. Come back tomorrow and the day after, and we will make sure that we got plenty to talk about. In the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute. 
and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Mad Max Minute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 41. We will see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and leather men Take me to the edge of the dream 